You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 112, At the Gates, presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you're at the gates because no one comes in to see the wizard, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe, that is Dan, that is Jeff. At the gates, everybody happy? I thought I was going to be happy. I was happy for about like one-fifth of the whole conversation. Yeah, talk about uh, the perfect mistake, I guess. I'm going to say this right off the top. I have always thought of At The Gates as a classic band. They put out Slaughter of the Fucking Soul, literally one of the greatest Gothenburg death metal albums ever recorded. I don't care what the haters say. It's that good. The hype is real. I had never listened to a single other At The Gates album. And well, I hate to say it, but this is going to be rough. We're going to make it through it, dude. We're here. We've got each other. I hope so. I need a support system. We've got a fast forward button if necessary. And Dom is here to get beer if we need more. He's here to silently observe or loudly observe. (laughs) He has been known to yell. Every now and again, he could pick up a chair and throw it against the wall. Not that wall. That wall's made out of concrete. I would suggest one of the interior walls. Yeah, I don't understand that context. Well, before Dan starts remodeling the studio, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything Discography Discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We're on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening, and now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. Well, five-star reviews are very much preferred to one-star reviews, but we've gotten a lot of five-star reviews and only one one-star review, so I guess that's pretty good, right? To be fair, I'll take a one-star review over no stars. Well, that is kind of true. Here's the thing about reviews. It's not necessarily that they make us feel really happy inside. It has more to do with the fact that algorithms control everything that you see and hear these days. So the more reviews that we get, the more likely we are to be recommended to other listeners of metal podcasts. So send us a review, whatever review you think we deserve. Don't let Dan fool you. It's all about making him feel all warm and gooey inside. I am kind of like a gooey butter cake. Ooh, who's got the powdered sugar? We got a comment from Jeffrey De Los Santos on Patreon Review 45, Gazing at Medusa by Tourniquet. How many beers did y'all have before this? Seven. To be fair, I had been drinking for five hours. I thought I made that clear. Seven. I don't think I had anything. Did I? Seven. This is No, I had one, a single beer, so apparently I'm the lightweight. I'm not sure if that's a negative or a positive, so I'm just going to say thank you, Jeffrey. (laughs) And to be clear, I'm talking to Jeffrey De Los Santos, but thank you too, Jeff. (laughs) You're very welcome. (laughs) We got an email from Lance Allgood. Hey, guys, I was just curious. Have you ever considered making a copy of the master list available for Patreon supporters? No! Hell, I'd even be down just to know the week before who the next episode would be about. Okay. So I could dive through their discography before the show, too. How dare you have a good idea, Lance? By the way, shame on you. I love this week's aborted episode. We loved it too. Oh, aborted was brutal as fuck, and we loved every second of it. It was absolute shit. Yeah, that episode was so (laughs) shitty. 
Thank God I do not pay attention to lyrics. I like there to be a little bit of an air of mystery to what we're going to talk about each week. Makes it fun and fresh. At least it does for me. Yeah, and what's we do tend to drop hints generally throughout the previous episode or two. Sometimes Jeff just blurts it out. Yeah, because I'm a dumb fuck. He's we, punished. Don't worry. But if you're cool, <laughs> we take care of it later. If you're cool like Lance and you're a Patreon supporter, absolutely, we will let you know ahead of time what bands we're going to be talking about. That is a good idea, and we will do it, sir. So, Dan, tell me about At The Gates. At The Gates is a Gothenburg death metal band or a melodic death metal band. Uh, They formed in 1990 out of the ashes of a band called Grotesque, who I actually like more than the early At The Gates material. Would that be the golden age of Grotesque then? I, I guess. I'm starting to wonder where that album title came from, Mr. Manson. Well... Yeah, so At The Gates was one of the early pioneering Gothenburg bands. Those are bands that came from, obviously, Gothenburg, Sweden, and uh, they all recorded roughly in the same studio, Studio Fredman, uh, there in Gothenburg. So you had, like, In Flames, Star Tranquility, and At The Gates. That's kind of like the holy trinity of melodic death metal bands. I have to say, though, very humble beginnings. 1992, The Red in the Sky is Ours. Do you guys remember the Sepultura album, Morbid Visions? Production-wise, it sounds just like that. Okay, so it's a 14- and 16-year-old? I don't know about all that, but I can tell you that the production quality is really bad on this record. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is. uh, Everybody play around the cassette recorder. Well, this is one of the... Hey, fucker, that works. I don't (laughs) care what anybody says. I was going to say, me and Joe have made better-sounding demos just standing around a recorder. This just sounds bad, and I think it sounds sloppy. Can't confirm that, but the drumming sounds really off to me. And the riffing is just something I hate about early Gothenburg. I hated it about uh, Dark Tranquility. In Flames never sounded this bad. Well, In Flames in the 90s never sounded this bad. Way to clarify. (laughs) Thank you for that. Uh, But yeah, the guitar is weird. It's a lot of, like, super overindulgent, long fucking passages that go nowhere. It sounds like a band making a record that the producer or engineer at the studio doesn't know how to make because there was no real standard yet. It's not really melodic. Well, that's not true, Joe, because you had bands like Dismember and fucking, uh, not Core Guts. Uh, what's the other one? Oh, I'm not denying that those bands existed. I'm saying this sounds like a band is recording with an engineer that doesn't know how to record their band. Well, that's entirely possible. But this just sounds like absolute shit. It's not even melodic. Oh, my God. I just sounded like really not a metalhead there. Uh, But I guess what I'm trying to say is this is supposed to be like melodic death metal. Like it's supposed to differentiate itself from other styles of death metal. And all I hear is like a really thin sounding thrash band with a goat with its throat cut trying to scream over it. (laughs) That's brutal as fuck. Yeah, the first album. Well, you know, is, brutally speaking, you know. is is rough. There's just no way around it. It's just not. There's nothing being brought to the table. He sounds like really bad Andrews Frieden on the first Dark Tranquility album. Oh, that's really bad. Because well, I don't think like worse I, than that. Because I don't think that's good at all. No, <laughs> not even close. It's not Andrews' worst vocal performance, but it's definitely bad. Yes. Uh, this is just not my thing. It sounds like it wants to be black metal. And I'm actually surprised to see the musical direction that this band took, considering that if they had just gone black metal, I'd have been like, okay, that makes sense. 
Is that the genre that kind of revels in sounding like shit? Yes, it is, and that's why we don't listen to, to a, a detriment of it. sometimes. Yeah, it's not necessarily at the forefront of our uh, our listenership. Now they did try to spice it up. Like we're listening to the second song, which starts off with a really um, kind of a fun, like folksy violin type of song, like melody, and that stuff sounds cool. Like I could listen to a whole hour of this. But I, I just the, the rest of the band around it is is just terrible, and I, I'm having trouble understanding because like I occasionally frequent a website called Encyclopedia Metallicum or Encyclopedia Metalum. Uh, it's the Metal Archives website, and I was reading reviews for this album, and everybody seems to think on that website that this album's the best. So I kind of had this weird like, do I just not get it? Like, am I not cool? You're like me with the, the Watchmen no, movie, I'm not cool. but. Sometimes I think I am. So I went back and listened to this fucker six more times. Damn, dude. That's even more than me. And now I hate it even more. I hate it six times more than I did the first time. The shit just doesn't go anywhere. Like there's melodic shit thrown in there just for the sake of it, but it's not really melodic death metal. It just sounds like bad black metal or thrash metal, like played in a tin can. And the singer doesn't sound good at all, like even a little bit. And that's like by death metal standards. It's like, I'm not asking for much here. I just want you to sound angry and mean it. So you're not going to cut them some slack since it's their first uh, full length in 92? I think that my first full length was better than this. And that's not saying much. Like, I'm not saying that to toot my own horn. I think they're both not amazing records. It's just that you think it's The Red in the Sky is ours is just filled with so much fucking melodramatic bullshit that only makes sense to the guitarist. He seems to be the only competent member of the band, but even then, he takes this band in weird directions that don't really make sense, and it is to the detriment of the overall sound. I wish I could say that the album that came a year later uh, with Fear, I Kissed the Burning Darkness was any better. 1993. Yeah, so I think these these early albums, the reason why people... uh, like slobber all over them is retrospectively looking back at how important they were to a genre. I don't think they were. One one album was. Yeah, but not this one or the one before it. I I agree. I'm not going to disagree with you on that, but I'm telling you, I think that's the reason why people love these because they're saying, okay, look, you know, they did all all of this early on, and look what it led to. It led to. Uh, a seminal release that is like it's incredibly important to melodic death metal metalcore you know there's a whole bunch of stuff that it, that they influenced as time went on so everybody's gonna love their discography as a collective whole because of that so this is idealistic history is that what you're saying yeah pretty much it's like saying anger in reverse everybody accepts it because metallica got better after that nobody wants to really admit that it's a shitty record yeah. This makes Saint yeah. Anger sound like Master of Puppets. Oh. <laughs> Jeff, you better be on the lookout for Josh. I'm he could appear at any moment, my friend. I'm serious. This is garbage. Yeah, I'm. It's not good. I mean, you can <laughs> you can take it however you want to take it, saying it's a collective whole, and you can try to justify it any way you want to try to justify it. But like, I'm not trying to justify it. I'm just trying to look at it from somebody else's perspective on why they would think this is. The best oh, thing That's ever. just it, though. The people I'm talking about from that website, they love these first two albums and say the rest of it is all shit. 
Really? Which is like backwards thinking. That's fucked up. It's really fucked up, and I think it's just because all these assholes are sitting in their mom's basement like... And they oh, love black wow. metal. Yeah, oh my god, I love black metal. I love brutal shit. Oh my god. The other day, my mom came downstairs, and she was like, hey, you need to turn that down. And I looked at that bitch, and I said, no. And do my laundry. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, <laughs> unpleasable male fans. Let's say you try that shit, mom. Like, that's, that's the only justification I can find for it, is that these guys want to become like the true cult masters of bullshit and they can have it as far as i'm concerned they can fucking have these two albums as far as i see it this band didn't start until 1994's terminal spirit disease this sounds much more like at the gates first album right now it sounds like a subway going down the tracks but we're gonna get past that oh, at just, some point just wait well the the one thing i uh, since you mentioned that, Dan, this is the first release that they had that was recorded at Studio Fredden. Okay, and the guitar player that was on the first two records is gone now. They, like, put that guy on a bus, and they're like, get the fuck out of here. They mistained him. They did mistain him. And it was good because this is the first release that I listened to that I was like, okay, okay, I can hear at the gates in this. It sounds more like the band that I'm familiar with. Uh, the vocals are better. The production quality is way better. And uh, these guys play some of the coolest Gothenburg-type riffs. Like, this is 94, so this is pretty early on. So they were very much innovators in this style. But I love the way this sounds. Like, the vocals are raspy. They don't they don't have that, like, throat cut sound to them anymore. And uh, this is a much more listenable release overall. Doing a little bit of research, uh, Anders Bjorler is on this release. That's the lead guitarist. Interesting. It's the rhythm guitarist that left. Okay. So I don't know if he's one that was writing the stuff or not. I don't know, but, but whoever the, the clearly, brothers. clearly one of them was responsible for the shit we got beforehand, and I think now we know the answer. Well, I I think there would I think they were rudderless too. I think actually getting to a competent studio with a good producer uh, really helped and give some direction. Well, these songs have kind of a positive vibe to them, which I really like. I think it kind of embodies what melodic death metal is supposed to be. When does melodic death metal supposed to have a positive spin? Well, no, it does, though. That's the whole point of it being melodic. When you're listening to In Flames or Dark Tranquility, you feel good. You feel powerful. It's, it's the same way you feel when you're listening to thrash metal. You know, um, death metal can kind of take a turn where it goes for the more negative sound, but uh, really, Terminal Spirit Disease has some really cool melodies on it. I can kind of see where the elitist metalheads are coming from when they say that they definitely dumbed down their sound. Like, this is this is almost like, you know, when Metallica went from Injustice for All to the Black Album. Sure, you know, Injustice for All was a super technical, very long, played-out, progressive record. And, well, the Black Album was just hard rock kind of the same thing here except for this is much more extreme than all that stuff um this is still a very heavy release it's not something that your grandma's going to want to listen to unless your grandma's awesome the ideas make sense the ideas make sense the songs are actual songs now They're and that just... is important i don't care what your style is if the song doesn't make sense what am i listening to i'm heaping a lot of praise on this record and i think it is really good but i do think it suffers from being a little bit too simplistic I mean, it's a great, it's a great uh, blueprint for what they were going to become. Yeah, I mean, it's it's stripping it down and, and focusing 
the group, which I don't I don't mind, especially considering what we got for the first two entries that were really really spastic. Right. It's also 1994. From our perspective, they've been working on this for three years. In that way, this is kind of their first endeavor. This is the first thing they've done that's real. Yeah, it's the first time that they, like I said, they were with a legitimate producer. Was this in Studio Fredman? Yes, it was. This was, uh, I think this was actually the second or third album that was uh, released that was produced at Studio Fredman. So, I mean, it was very, very, very early in the uh, discography for that studio. I only want to visit. I don't want to record there. I just want to be there. Well, I'm not getting quite that close. Closest I'm going to get this year is going to be England. I wish I was going a little further north. I'd definitely go. I have a friend. She lives in Gothenburg. Go visit her. Who, Anders? Fun. No. She's from Seattle. Okay. He's wanted to ask. No. Uh, her, yeah, her, her husband uh, I'm still a little salty Univers- over that new In Flames release. Oh, God. You guys seriously need to listen to the, the Patreon review that we did on that. One dollar a month gets you access to that exclusive feed. Just you, pay one dollar once just to hear that review. Yes, because good Lord, Dan and I just like I think we both like had veins popping out of our foreheads. We were so pissed off and then get 500 of your friends to pay that dollar too. <laughs> but going yes, back, please going back to terminal spiritual. I'm sorry. Terminal spirit disease. This record was the first at the gates record. As far as I'm concerned, this feels like the first record by this band. Yeah. And I love it. I love the way it sounds. I think it's smooth. Um, I don't think it's the greatest record I've ever heard of this style, but for as early as it was, I could see how influential it actually was. And without it, we wouldn't have gotten 1995's Slaughter of the Soul. Talk about a fantastic mistake, because I don't think they did this album on purpose themselves. When you look at their discography as a complete whole, this is way, 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 way better than everything else put together, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, this is the number one stunner. This is the album when somebody's all like, I want to listen to melodic death metal, but I'm not sure where to start. Start here. Yeah, it's definitely one of the easiest places to start. 1995, Slaughter of the Soul by At The Gates. That's where you should start. Yep, because it's more simplistic still. It's still more basic and straightforward than their contemporaries. Good Lord. I mean, it, it, if you if you are a big fan of melodic death metal, this is like one of the altars you worship at because it's like one of the big three uh in the mid 90s that you had to listen to and dan you're gonna have to forgive me for saying this but it sounds modern oh yeah it sounds like a record that was recorded last year yep it's not a modern metal band but if melodic death metal from the other side of the planet came over here and it sounded like this okay it's 2018 this actually sounds even more savage i think than stuff like in flames did later on yeah, no, and that was that's kind of what I'm getting at. It is more brutal and straightforward. The uh, there's more the death and less the melodic. I guess you should. I guess I should say, this is more straightforward. This is more like uh, what old school metalcore like would. Ta- I would I would say takes from a little bit. It's got an old school Dan Wayant thing going on too. Oh, with a the lot vocals. of it. A lot of it. Well, yeah, and I'm sure. I'm sure bands like Zayo were influenced by At the Gates in 1995. A hundred percent. I mean, I, I, you can see the direct correlation. Yeah. As two years later, Zayo shows up on the scene and, and is screaming like that. There's definitely a European influence. And, and that's what's weird about this record is like Joe said, when you listen to it, you think, oh, this is a, a cool melodic death metal record. Then you look at the a year and you're like, holy shit, 1995. 
That's like really early for it to sound this good. Yeah, the only thing that came out before this that would like it's in this vein is the gallery by Dark Tranquility. And that's literally by like three months. Yeah, and they were all buds. I mean, yeah. they're all hanging out all the time, so it makes sense. And uh, I really think that this record is absolutely worth the hype. It, it lives up to it. And uh, to throw those assholes from Metal Archives under the bus again. Dude, you have an agenda tonight. What's going on? It pissed me off because I didn't like the first two releases. So I went back to check some other people's opinions because I am also an unpleasable metal fan. So I was like, well, shit, maybe these first two records are really good. Uh, but these guys absolutely hate Slaughter of the Soul. But it's for like the most basic fucked up pedestrian reasons. And what are they? Like, it's everything that's wrong with the metal. I mean, now it's going to get popular. Let me stop you right there, dude. Oh, it's 1995. We've talked about it before. This is when Gothenburg death metal started to influence the rest of the world. It well, didn't yeah. catch on right away, but this is when it started to show up. Well, they're right. Yeah, this is going to make the band more popular because it's actually good. You know, if you're the kind of asshole that just sits in your basement and listens to fucking noise all the time and calls it music... And like you like any little thing as long as it's underground. Jeff, don't it doesn't listen. even. He's not talking about you. It doesn't even have to be good. You just <laughs> have to say like, "Oh, this sounds really fucking underground." So that means I'm just gonna shit on anything that sounds remotely nice. And that was the bullshit mentality we used to deal with, where it was good because it sounded like shit. It's not good. It was never good, and most of it doesn't hold up. Well, now you're going to fault the band for putting out a really good sounding record that's probably going to sell a billion copies. Yeah, it's one of those things like, you know, oh my God, fuck them for wanting to make this into a living. Yeah, that's that's always been the crux of the issue for me with elitists in music in general. Because yeah, I, I came from a, I like punk and ska and uh, besides the classical music that is. So th I, that's what I listened to before I really got into metal. And it was the same thing. Like as soon as it's like you sold out as soon as you got popular. Well, what the fuck? You make good music, people fucking buy it. Big fucking deal. And this isn't really sellout, right? Like, what would be sellout in '95? They would have had to add cleans. Gee, I don't know. And just have a album that's all black. Yeah, yeah, like an album that's just all black. Write a song like a called snake. "March of the Pigs." Yeah, I mean, like, like if this is sellout bullshit, like how fucking far gone are you as a music fan? that you can't even appreciate that this sounds good. This is still not something that the average, like Megadeth fans are not going to buy this unless they're like just really into guitar. Then they'll be like, fuck yeah, let's do it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. If we'd picked this up, we would have thought, okay, it sounds like thrash metal with more double bass. We probably would have compared this to Slayer 20 years ago, but then the vocals would have just been something totally different. See, I don't know what I would have compared it's, it's, it to. It's been 24 years. I don't know what I would. That's I think that was the whole <laughs> mystique and the appeal to the Gothenburg sound was that it wasn't uh, as they just really just started to come in their own. It wasn't comparable for the most part to to other things. And like I guess thrash is the closest you could get. Well, it's death metal for the masses. Yeah, is what it is because like you know the average person's not going to go buy an obituary record or a grotesque record or an entombed record. Like, those were still too guttural, you know, or a Cannibal Corpse-type sound where it was just all, like, no compromise, brutal, 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 brutal throughout. 
this was like something you could get behind like people that were into bands like Iron Maiden would like this musically anyway I think I think the, I think the vocals are still largely polarizing but the vocals kind of take a back seat on this record if you've noticed yeah and I think that's I think that's a good thing oh I do too I, I think that letting the music breathe was one of the smartest things they could have done and that's I think that's also one of the things that uh, I think being with an established producer well I guess this this is really one of the few early albums that helped put him on the map but this stuff is great. This is, uh, if you're into melodic death metal, this is what? Top five, maybe? Top three. Top three for you. Okay. It's definitely in my top three. My first one is uh, is Jester Race uh, by In Flames. Uh, my second one is uh, The Mind's Eye by Dark Tranquility. And, you know, obviously Slaughter to the Soul. And, okay. And uh, those are, to me, those are perfect albums. But it is, it is really weird because, you know, this band three years before this was what I would have considered to be one of the shittiest bands I'd ever heard. So, like Jeff said, it's kind of a happy accident. And I think on some level they must have realized that, like, fuck, we're never going to top this. Like, this is so good. I, I don't know. I don't know how it's we're going to do it It's been five years, guys. Just hang it up now. And they did. This is one of those, like, as soon as they started getting really popular, they just kind of pulled the cord. And I think it had more to do with just people moving on. Because, I mean, even in 95, as popular as this may have been, it didn't pay the bills. And so they ended up just kind of hanging it up. When did Gothenburg death metal start to pay the bills? Late 90s? Early 2000s? Probably like when uh, In Flames put out Soundtrack to Your Escape. What do you think, Jeff? You think that's accurate? Sorry, I was reading. When did melodic death metal start to pay the bills? I would say around the time of Soundtrack to Your Escape. Yeah. Maybe Clayman. Clayman had videos that showed up on uh, on MTV. Back when MTV played music videos? Yeah. but And it showed up outside of Headbangers Ball. I guess that's what I ought to say. And that, that was kind of like, that was a big deal. But yeah, it was Soundtrack to Your Escape that really, um, really started bringing in the big bucks for them. So how did we end up in 2014 with a record called At War With Reality. Well, they had hung it up in 95 or 90. I think it was 96 that they actually Yeah, hung 96 because yeah. they were touring. And then um, they were gone for a long time till about 2007. And then they were like, well, you know what? We'll do some reunion shows. We'll show up. We'll play Slaughter of the Soul from beginning to end. And everybody's going to love it. And they did. Basically, in the early 2000s, when this type of death metal started to be a big deal. Correct. So I think a lot of people actually that are our age probably truly got into At The Gates around this time. Like, if I'm just being honest. I got into... Um, I know, when you were five years old. No. Well, I, in I, 1923. I told, I've told the story before on here. I had a friend in high school that introduced me to... In flames, uh, with with Oracle. So, and that's actually whenever I, I discovered at the gates as well. The same guy. I mean, good dude. I wish I wish I could get in, back in touch with him, but I can't find him anywhere. He's not on social media. In 2007, they were asked, "Hey guys, we think it's great that you guys are back, but where's the new album?" And they're like, "Oh no 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 no, we're not going to record a new album because we can't outdo Slaughter of the Soul." Uh, what he actually said was, 
No new record will be recorded. The legacy of Slaughter of the Soul will remain intact. It would be fun to write together, but not under the name At The Gates, which is a statement that I kind of agree with. But after a while, they played and played and played and played. And eventually in 2013, they were like, okay, we're going to record a new album. Because that's how the money train goes. That's how the money train goes. People want to hear new stuff. Come on, guys. What else you got? What else you got? Uh, So we got At War with Reality in 2014. It's not Slaughter of the Soul. It's not. It's not bad either. It's almost 20 years later, so like it kind of gets a pass for... It still sounds like At the Gates. At least At the Gates from Terminal Spirit Disease on. And... uh, I thought this was a pretty cool release. I was really excited to listen to it because I was like, oh, shit, a follow-up to Slaughter of the Soul. I mean, let's fucking do it. And what you get is a pretty good melodic death metal record. It's it's okay. It checks all the boxes. Uh, unfortunately, though, this whole scene is infinitely saturated at this point, meaning that there are already bands that have done better than Slaughter of the, Slaughter of the Soul. There are bands that definitely did better than At War With Reality. Uh, Early Arch Enemy comes to mind. Yeah. Same studio, by the way. Oh, well, of course. But I guess the, the there's no issue. There's no problem with At War With Reality. It's just not Slaughter of the Soul. So I'm not disappointed in it. And I'm happy to hear new At The Gates material. Yeah. Same here. It's one of those things where there's a couple of, I mean, there's a couple of jams on here, but collectively it's just, eh, I guess. I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to. It's really- not meandering bullshit. It's just not, it doesn't have the classic status of slaughter. Right. I think this to a fan would give you the same reaction that a new album by Soul Embraced would. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds exactly like what it is, but then to modern ears the vocals sound out of place they do because they are very monotone and in the 90s that was okay we were just kind of getting more accustomed to extreme vocals but in 2014 we kind of expect there to be a little bit more variety which you know doesn't necessarily mean cleans but it does mean like highs lows maybe some spoken word you know only slayer can do the same thing for 40 years well, Slayer is untouchable, but yeah. Um, and War with Reality is a great record. It's just not a classic record. Yeah. And spoilers, I'm going to say the same thing about the next album. Yeah, F- Frederick Nordstrom produced this one as well. You want me to jump right into Ooh. it? I mean, he's studio. I mean, he's the one who did Slaughter as well. So, I mean, I, I appreciate them trying to go back to the well to recreate uh, what they had 20-something years ago, but I... I think that was actually kind of the problem, though, too. Well, I don't think that they were trying to outdo Slaughter either, though. I think it was literally just one of those, like, let's put out a new album. We, we could write some songs. Yeah. Right. But For that reason, I feel like this is another Soul Embrace scenario. There was no progression for me. That, that was my biggest complaint. Right. And after 19 years, there should have been. Yeah. They kind of go off the success of that for about four years, and then they come back last year in 2018 with To Drink From The Night Itself. I actually. I'm sorry. That's just a very corny title. Well, yeah. I mean, it is, but uh, it's not any worse than "With Fear I Kiss the Burning Darkness." Like, what the fuck? But uh, <laughs> to drink from the night itself is, uh, I think, more a more of a progression of their sound. 
I think there's a lot more atmospheric elements to the album where it's not just a straight go for the throat like Slaughter the Soul was. And so I don't judge it as harshly as I do with At War with Reality because that one sounded very similar to Slaughter. Uh, this record, I feel like, is their first time that they've kind of branched out and tried to do something else. I agree. I like this one quite a bit more. I actually text you because I got all excited when In Nameless Sleep yeah. was on. I was like, holy shit, it's like I, I, I like this. And I think they they did the right thing. I mean, the guitarist is gone because uh, it was two brothers. Uh, and so they actually they parted ways with uh, Frederick Nordstrom as well. And uh, they have an English uh, record producer that's done stuff with Napalm Death. And I can't remember his freaking name. Oh, Napalm Death. Uh, uh, Russ Russell. Getting excited just talking about it. <laughs> yeah, I know you would be. But yeah, it's... Uh, if they continue to go in this direction, uh, I'm interested. Well, yeah, because they're trying to tell more of a story with their music this time. They're not just like, let's just play a bunch of fucking riffs and hope for the best, which is, I mean, honestly, as much as we say that Slaughter of the Soul was just like creative genius, it literally could have just been one of those one in a million chances where we just threw a whole bunch of riffs down and they just all happened to be great. And they had good direction. Yeah, what, they, what, they had somebody steering the ship that wasn't a member of the band. Yep, and I think that helps a lot for some people. But uh, To Drink for the Night itself, I think it's a really good record. It's not my favorite At the Gates record, but it's probably a second favorite. Agreed. Same here. I think Does this count as something new from a band that's been around for technically almost 30 years? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is great. This is a very relevant release for them. And uh, I can't, like, I'll listen to the next one. I'm still actively interested. Um, with that war with reality, I probably wouldn't have been. Yeah, I'm glad. The only reason I would have continued past it is because I had to for a podcast. Kind of like how we are with... Never mind, I'm not going to say their name. <laughs> <laughs> Final thoughts on At The Gates. Jeff. So they put out a seminal release that is important to me within the scene. Slaughter is, you know, amazing. And uh, I actually really, really like the new direction that they're going, and I like the fact that they're taking a chance. To Dream from the Night itself is really uh, a pleasant surprise because uh, I thought that they were just, you know, you can't teach a, an old dog new tricks kind of thing going on because after 19 years and you come back and you sound the same that you did 19 years ago, that worried me. But whenever they came out with this, I was super excited, so... Uh, I'm very curious to see where they go uh, from here on out. Dan, what about you? I think that Slaughter of the Soul is essential. I think if you take nothing away from this episode, that's the record you want to listen to. Uh, to Drink for the Night itself is really good. It comes in a close second. Uh, and Terminal Spirit Disease is actually a good one, too. Just ignore the first two records like completely. It's not even the same band, in my opinion. You feel cheated like they were a demo that made its way onto your podcast? Yeah, I'm like pissed off that I only talked about like what, four albums out of I don't even know how many albums they have, like six? Six. I kept yeah, on thinking so five, four out of six, six were good. So in that sense, the bad does not outweigh the good. However, I just want to have a little bit of a shout out to my buddies over there at uh, Metal Archives. I really hope that in the years that have passed since you left those reviews saying that the first albums were good, I just I really hope that you have taken the time and the self-reflection to realize that you need to be more honest with yourself about how things make you feel. I'm not talking about your cult status because none of that's real. That's all on hidden Facebook groups. 
Like, none of that's actually real. So I just hope that you guys realize that and, and understand that just because an album sounds good doesn't make it a bad thing. It kind of reminds me of that scene in Kung Pao Into the Fist where they're all like, oh, yeah, we trained him wrong as a joke. He thinks that winning is losing. Uh, that That's what you guys that are perpetuating these first two albums being fantastic. That's what you guys are. You guys think that, that, that winning is losing. So I, I hope that it's gotten better. If it hasn't, feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to talk with you more about this subject. I don't recall giving freedom to Unpleasable Metal Fan to give his final thought. But just this once, I think it's okay. Just saying, I'm here for you guys. It only happens whenever we do Gothenburg bands. I have a very <laughs> love and love-hate relationship with Gothenburg death metal. At the Gates is a name that comes up anytime anybody talks about Gothenburg death metal. I don't really care about where they came from if where they are today is good. Slaughter of the Soul is one of the albums that you should listen to if you are a fan of death metal. I don't know yet if this band has more to give because it's been 20 years and you've done three records. But so far, you've at least done something different. I'm interested to see what they're going to do next, if they're going to do anything next, or if they're just going to do a last show and play Slaughter of the Soul in its entirety. Yeah, at my house. Party! Dan, what's your album of the week? My album of the week... That's a rough one, but I'm going to have to go with uh, Clandestine by Entombed. That's nice. a good Swedish death metal band. Yes, it is. Jeff, what about you? I'm going to make you type a lot. <laughs> you piece of shit. <laughs> uh, he's typed it before, though, so at least there's that. When a shadow is forced into the light by Swallow the Sun. Ugh. Oh, fuck you. Fuck this band. Fuck you, dude. That's a fantastic album. Ugh. That's my album of the year so far. So it's definitely not dick. the first time it's been on the podcast. No, it's not. I mean, you know, it's fine. Everybody. I'm not mad. I'm not mad, Jeff. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> That's even worse, you asshole. <laughs> I'm going to go batshit insane and just say science by Incubus. Nice. That's not batshit insane. That's good shit. No, that is batshit insane. <laughs> Compared to the other shit that we've been talking about this week. That's for sure. And guys, I just want to take a minute out to let you know that if you want to get a hold of us or have any questions for us, please, please, please reach out to us. Uh, we are on Facebook under Discography Discussion. We're on Twitter under Discuss Metal. And uh, we're also on Gmail, that, that really crazy service that nobody else has but us. Uh, gmail.com. Shoot us an email. Check us out on Patreon under Discuss Metal. One dollar will get you access to all the Patreon reviews we're talking about. Uh, every week we post a new review for an individual album. Uh, we try to cover new releases and things like that. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we'll have some cool stuff on Patreon for you guys sooner than later. And uh, just thanks a lot for listening. Without you guys, we wouldn't be here. And on that note, this has been episode 112 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please, send questions and comments to Show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash Discuss Metal. We have some sweet perks. Give me your money. The only chance is not to waste your life.
hope and have no fear The truth walks by our side